Hello and welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm your host Sam Kane, and I am back with my cousin Alex Kane. Sam, what's up, pal? Oh man, we are doing a few things today. We will be talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers because it's it's their week. Let's start with uh, all right. So, who do you think the highest paid and longest tenured player is? This one's probably pretty obvious. So I'm guessing it's Kevin Love. He's highest paid still, too, even with Jared Allen's new contract. $31 million. Ooh, yikes. He started zero games this year. Yep. That's crazy. Coming off the bench, and then next year, $28.9 million. Wow. It's just... It's uh, still one of the worst contracts in the league, even though there's only an additional year after this one i i was looking at all the high contracts there's not that many bad contracts out i think there. john wall is pretty bad right Oh, john wall is terrible it's yeah that's john i think wall. yeah kevin love those are probably the worst two by far yeah and then like even wiggins are, and he's good like were you watching that game last night like he, he's a good player you know i i like wiggins yeah he's just he's just making double what he should be making and he never misses games. He plays all 80. I know we're talking about the Cavs, not Andrew Wiggins. But I guess it makes sense. He was drafted Cavs. by the Cavs. Yeah, yeah so it's a, there we go. That's a good. Yeah. Okay, so this this one I actually had to look up just now. Highest paid player on each team that has played in the D or the G League before. And... For this one, it was tough because I'm going by the highest-paid players here. We got Kevin Love, never played there. Jared Allen never got sent down. Rubio never got sent down. Laurie Markkinen never got sent down. Mobley, way too good. It's actually Chetty Osman who had a small stint with the Canton Charge. And he makes $8 million. Chetty Osmond's like not bad anymore. No, he he played a lot um, the last two games against the Celtics. Like I was clowning on him a lot last year when I was doing Cavs, and I thought the Cavs should have traded him. And now it's looking like a good idea that they they hung on to him. Really, he's under contract for two more years after this for very very cheap it's so it's eight million now seven million next year and then six million the year after that it's like chump change for an nba rotation player yeah definitely yeah yeah he's still just kind of a turkish weirdo but (laughs) he's 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 solid yeah he um he he just didn't seem athletic enough to be a forward and like you know, he was the greatest shooter. I but I mean he sh- he made six threes the other night. So I mean clearly found his touch. Yeah, I know what you mean though. I don't like the small forwards that can't really flex out to uh, play against bigger guys, but also are a little too big to be hanging around with the guards. Yeah, he. It just seemed like people could take advantage of them. Yeah. Guarding him. So there's a lot of injuries on this team right now. Um, we just found out today that Evan Mobley is going to be out, I believe it's one to two weeks, which is uh, very unfortunate. Uh, yeah, he's having a great rookie year. He leads the team in blocks, two to which is weird because they have Jared Allen. Yeah, so we got a little twin tower thing going on with this, and I as soon as they picked Mobley, I mean, on the draft podcast, Greeny and I were joking about like what are they doing? Whatever they already have Jared Allen, but you know, it was short sighted thinking. Mobley was. You know, the best guy on the board, of course they're going to pick him. They're not going to worry about Jared Allen. So then I thought... Yeah, exactly. It's better to just pick the best guy on the board in the NBA than for fit. Yeah. Right? That's always the Like, if you're at the top, if you're at the very top of the draft, if you're drafting for fit, 
there's a reason why you're drafting second. It's because the guy you have clearly isn't good enough to be, well, I know there's a lot of extenuating circumstances there, but if you're worried about, you know, the center that you have on a team that won 20 games last year, then, I mean, come on. Unless it's Shaquille O'Neal, then you just draft the top guy available. I know, and the most famous example, I think, being the Cavs in 2013 picking Anthony Bennett for fit when they could have had Oladipo, which yeah, they that didn't was dumb. want because Kyrie was a point guard. That was uh, awful. But they ended up getting Dion Waiters, right? Was that that draft or was it the draft before? That was the draft before. Okay, so they had Waiters and um, and Irving. So, yeah, maybe that's why they didn't want Oladipo. But yeah, I guess that thinking makes sense because he is he's a guard. He's not like and Waiters is a guard. Like there's no flexibility there. You'd be playing three guards. Yeah. But you have to – I just feel like you always take the talent. You can always move on from – one of the other two guys, you know, and I don't know. Yeah, and there didn't really seem to be too many, like, all-star potential guys in that 2013 draft. I think Oladipo was, you know, by far the guy who who stood out the most, who had the most all-star potential. And then, of course, Giannis was in that draft, but no one could have predicted (laughs) the player he became. No, and he people forget he 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 wasn't good those first couple of years. Like he showed potential, but it wasn't like a home run immediately. Yeah. Like it definitely took some years before he really blossomed. And their only real scouting intelligence, I feel like at the time they had on him was dribbling around chairs and hitting layups over trainers. So there was no real there was no real track record for like him being successful. I think he was only like six eight at the time. It wasn't even like he was done growing then. Yeah. So, yeah, because we picked Kelly Olynyk, I remember. And that kind of gets thrown in Danny's face a lot. Like, oh, you should have drafted Giannis. Well, it's like, yeah, well, we should have done a lot of things. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, the thing is, we had the 16th pick. And we and Giannis was picked 15th I, I don't oh know when exactly we traded it but we traded it with uh i think we gave 16 and maybe like a second rounder to move up to 13 to get kelly olenic still still in the league wouldn't mind having him on the celtics bench right now yeah he actually would be perfect yeah Maybe someday, Josh Richardson for Olenek. Like, could you imagine just swapping out those dumb Grant minutes? <laughs> that freaking walrus Grant. If we could, if we could just get him off the floor and get Slip Kelly into that spot, oh man, we'd be working. So, Jared Allen was hurt as well this past game. Got Colin Sexton is out. It looks like it's going to be a while really bad timing considering that he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer so that hurts uh his contract negotiating I'd imagine yeah and I, apparently he's not very well liked really yeah i guess i guess he's not the best locker room guy he's very shoot first i don't like that's obviously just hearsay it's not exactly like concrete but that's just what I've seen is that he's not not the best teammate to have around. Or not even not like he's an asshole. He's just not a great guy to have. Okay. Well this this leads me to the question of <laughs> I think I know who you're gonna pick now. Uh Dar- would you rather have G- Darius Garland or Colin Sexton? It's definitely close. And last year I would would have said Colin Sexton a hundred times out of a hundred, but this year it's I would have to pick Darius Garland. He's just far superior. I don't. I don't think. Even though they average pretty much, they average pretty much close to the same points per game. They both average sixteen, but Garland has them by point eight. Um, Garland averages almost seven assists a game, which is five more than Sexton. That's right. Yeah. Seems, he, Sexton does not average that many assists. He usually averages around three a year. And Sexton, I mean, um, Garland is. I mean, last year he averaged six assists a game right now he's at 6.7 so which is pretty good for like in today's nba that's pretty good 
That is, yeah. Like, there's not guys anymore that average, like, 14 assists like Rondo and Steve Nash, Steve Nash used to. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, if you average seven assists a game, like, you're a really solid point guard. Yeah, that, that's pretty darn good. Um, so. But, yeah, I would, I would. who would you take? I would take Garland. Yeah, I'm leaning more towards Garland as well. He's younger, you know? Yep, younger. Um, I mean, if you can get Colin Sexton on a team-friendly contract this summer, I'd say why not. Yeah, he's he's a good, like, shooting guard, you know? I don't think he's a true point guard, especially when you have Rubio on the roster, too. Like, right. he's pretty consistently going to be off-ball with that trio. Mm-hmm. So, I, I like him in that role, though. Like, he still can get buckets. I look at him like I look at, like, um... Um, why can't I think of his name? The guy in the Timberwolves. Um, damn it. Malik Beasley. Be- okay. Where it's just like, yeah, he's a good 16 to 19 points a game guy. Won't really bring the energy, be aggressive, be athletic. Won't really give you a lot of assists or anything, but he's a bulldog. He's still going to be solid out there with anyone. Yeah, he's he's a good piece to the team. Um, probably not going to be an all star. I I I don't think. I mean, maybe who knows? But the trajectory they're on right now, it kind of looks more like an Eric Bledsoe kind of thing. Where you yeah, that's a good comparison. You're starting point guard in the league, but yeah, you're not not like superstar status but who knows you know maybe they could take a a big leap and maybe maybe it won't be for another few years maybe it'll be like a kyle lowry kind of thing this team not going very small at the beginning of the year uh another person who's injured Lori marketing i i haven't really seen too much game film of him playing for the Cavs. I um I wasn't watching many Cavs games at the beginning of the season, so I had to go back and watch some highlights. Um, but really surprising that uh, he was playing the three and uh, the, the Cavs were actually winning. Yeah, it's weird that, that that is like you would think of him as like... That's why I hate the positional distinctions like on these websites or whatever because like if you watch that team, like he actually does make sense as a three, you know, he's not, I don't know. It's, it's like weird. It's hard to understand, but he can dribble. Like there's some cool highlights of him going full court after a rebound. And, um, there's, he's got some poster dunks, you know, he's like sneaky athletic, which is the classic white guy phrase, (laughs) but he's, he's like, he's, he's got mobility. Trying to see how long he's going to be out for. He might be back soon. Actually, I know. Well, Kevin Love, another person who's been injured, coming off the bench. He uh, is apparently back in the lineup tonight, and I know that because um, he's on my uh, he's on one of my four fantasy teams. Actually, I got it's it. sad that he's kind of butt cheeks now. Yeah, like he didn't even come close to making the Olympic team. Yeah, it uh, it makes me feel old. Like, oh my God, Kevin Love's thirty three now, and I don't think anyone's gonna trade for him. And if they do, it will be like a weird Lamarcus Aldridge in Brooklyn type situation where it's like, yeah, you're just going to like play with the superstars. You know, it's not like he's going to actually like play a real role somewhere. Yeah, I I I don't see him going anywhere. It sounds like he doesn't want to buy out or anything like that. He wants to get his full contract, which yeah, just get that money. All the power to him. Yeah, you know, I actually think it makes more sense to just just do the full contract. I mean, especially when you look at like what he might be earning in like ten years. You know, it's he might be thinking, "Oh man, I probably shouldn't have given up that ten million dollars." <laughs> yeah, to go to, just to go ring chase a contender and lose in the second round. Oh. Yeah, and play like not as many minutes anyway. So. Like he still gets his twenty minutes, and you know, gets his ten points a game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's out of the picture in my mind. Yeah. So, like they're playing Dean Wade over him. 
the uh, the two white boy DWs. That's what I call them. Dean Wade and Dylan Windler. I I like Windler a lot. That guy that guy hustles. Like, yeah, Windler's good. He came out of college as like a sharpshooter. That was his. I think he went to like Belmont or some small school or something. Yeah. He was like he was like a sharpshooter. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I know he was out for I think the the whole season his rookie year, but. Um, yeah, Cavs fans seem to really like him a lot. Um, has 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 a grittiness to him, which you uh, haven't really seen with the Cavs the past few seasons. Like that's the first thing I noticed watching these past two games. I was like, this doesn't feel like the Cavs of the last three years, the post LeBron Cavs. It's it's got a different look, and I think Evan Mobley's obviously a big part of that there's um yeah garland's development rubio being added yep slick rick yeah he's 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 always just been so underrated he's unbelievable passer he he can get buckets he he had 37 earlier this month against the knicks 37 and 10 that's right at madison square garden yeah 37 and 10 and like it, I feel like it's not. He's just not even really like, I don't know, like maybe like people consider him a good player, but I think he doesn't get enough of the credit that he deserves. I, I think he's like a borderline great player, just never like people just don't understand his role, I guess, because he doesn't he doesn't always he can fill up the stat sheet, but he doesn't always do it. But he's a great defender. I feel like everywhere he goes, he's good. You know, like remember he went to the Jazz and they were really good. He kind of jump started them. Yep. He was obviously great on the T Wolves. Like he's been really good for this Cavs team. Like I don't know. I think he's he's kind of underappreciated. Yeah, I it, it's it's good that he's he's just in a role where they're kind of letting him like be him. Like I feel like the other teams he was on, like Phoenix. And, um, I mean, Timberwolves, they weren't really paying attention to him. He was just... Like, no, and that was a mess. Like, the for the yeah. prime of his career, he was kind of just being wasted away. He almost went totally back to Spain, was. I think. Totally was. And I'm sure he wasn't happy when he got traded to the Cavs, but now things are looking good. It's um, J.B. Bickerstaff really seems to... Um, I, I There was an article this week where... Um, uh, Bickerstaff was like, yeah, we we told Rubio we just want him to be a uh, Spanish national team Rubio. Like they're <laughs> they're giving him the keys to the car. To, to yeah, do what that's he when wants. he's at his best. When you yeah. just let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. It's the it's always been the three point shooting that kind of held him back in everyone's mind because he wasn't really knocked down. But everything else, he's like fantastic at. Yeah, and it's funny he hit like. He must have hit a ridiculous amount of threes in that Knicks game where he got 37. <laughs> yeah, he shot 88% from three that game. <laughs> what? Which is a lot. Holy That's God. high. I was going to ask you, would you rather have Rubio or would you rather have Schroeder? Mm, I, I would rather have Rubio. Be yeah, I think... I hate that I'm leaning that way too because... I've been pants off for Shooter this season. I mean, the kid's averaging seventeen and five, and he's he's been like kind of holding the like the us together during this like weird run. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm really loving loving Shooter right now. I'm loving him more than Tatum. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like he's he's been closing the games for us. Like the other night against in the Cavs game, he was closing that game for us. He oh hit. He hit a couple big shots in that last couple of minutes. That um, he had that huge layup. He 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 missed um, he missed the game tying shot to them in the first game. I think that was to them, right over the weekend. Yeah, it was. at the yeah at the end of regulation, he missed that little floater. That I, I, but they were trying to do something else. But it's funny how they put it in his hands that game instead of Tatum to close the game. And we text about it all the time. Mm-hmm. How Tatum is just such a frustrating closer at the end of these games and it's it's ref- it was refreshing to see someone else make something happen yeah it, it 
I just felt so much more comfortable when Schroeder had the ball at the end of the game and I knew he was trying to get a shot for himself. He's just he's got a nice turnaround mid range jumper and uh yeah, sometimes his three point shooting is shaky, but he, he can get to the the basket as well. He's so quick. Um but yeah, he's he's it's so true. He's he's been really saving the Celtics ass this season. Oh, big time. Yeah, he actually the more I think about it, he is very similar to Rubio in like a way that they're not three point shooters, but they each have like their unique skills. Like Truder, I think his biggest skill is the slashing and taking it to the hoop. I think he's really good at finishing around the hoop. He's really fast. He can get around guys pretty easy. Rubio is obviously more of a playmaker, but they're both like ferocious defenders who can pick guys up full court. They always bring the energy. They're good guys to have out there. They can handle the hell out of the rock and they can score points. Like they can just always score points. Like Schroeder can just always get buckets. Yeah. It, it Like you wouldn't like when he came in, I was like, um, hopefully he gets like 14 points a game, 12 points a game or something. He'll come off the bench or whatever, but he just keeps doing his 17 point per game thing. Like he, he just averages career somewhere in like the 17 to 21 range every year. It's never like a fluky year where he just was in a good situation. Like that's just, he's just a really good scorer. Yeah. He's, he's been pretty consistent and the, he had stretches on the Lakers last year where he was actually really good. And you know, the Lakers fans were actually really hyped about him for a yeah, while. Yeah. When they were all healthy, when they, when they were, were all healthy, he was great. Yeah, when things were going well. And then, of course, you know, I don't know what happened to Schroeder in that playoff series, but, um, yeah, of course, Laker fans just soured on him really quick. Yeah, he kind of lost control. I, I remember a lot of crazy shots. I don't, I didn't watch that much of that series, but I remember being like, whoa, this guy's kind of out of control. Yeah, yeah, he tried to, to take, uh, hold the team on his back, probably. But, um,. You know, I it's it's a little disappointing that Schroeder will probably not be back with the Celtics next year because Yeah, he's playing his way out of that contract. He's gonna cost more money. I think they should seriously consider paying him. I hope they have a new roster next year anyway, to be honest. Yeah. I'm they sure they can't just they can't they can't just keep running it back with the way it is. I'm sorry. I'm getting sick of it. Yeah. Like there's there I don't know. Like, this should be the last year with Tatum and Brown where they're like, all right, we're, like, we we can't wait around forever for this because eventually they're going to be at the end of their contracts and then it's going to be a catastrophe. So, I don't know. It, yeah, if they lose in the first round again, I think you definitely got to start. Yeah, because at like, what point are you like, all right, we got to, like, make moves to, even if it's, like, you know, going backwards to end up going forwards down the line. I think that's the move they got to make. It's just impossible to win with how they're playing. Like, like I know this doesn't go for every team. I just have these stats up right now. But the Cavs have, I think, yeah, eight guys that average 10-plus points a game. That I was looking at their stats, and I thought that was really fascinating. No one averaging more than 17 points a game. So Yeah. I mean, they're evenly the spread across the board. Yeah, the ball is moving around a lot. And, and I think Kevin Love was at 9.9 points a game, so he's practically at 10 as well. I mean, I know he's only played a handful of games, but um, it's... Yeah, I included him because he's at 9.9. Yeah. yeah. He's but they're they're going to... Like, they're losing by 20 right now to the Nets. Oh. But they're going to they're gonna be they're gonna be 9-7, and seven, you know, without a guy who... I know this is not, this is like, uh, it's not really a big playoff argument because in the playoffs you do need the guys who can score. I just hate the way the hierarchy works in the NBA. But I I like a team like this where it's, you never know what you're going to get every night. They can consistently get the points because they have a bunch of guys who can score with the Celtics. They have two guys that average 25 and 23 that shoot pretty much all the shots. And then Schroeder averages his 17. Alley gets his 13. And then it's Williams at 10 is just basically off alley-oops. And then everyone else is just like, you know, they're not really, like, it's I don't know. It's predictable. Like, yeah, it's very frustrating. It's very obvious. How to play them. Yeah, like, it, and it, it's, 
just watching I was watching the Cavs game obviously the other day against the Celtics and we had that steal at the three point line. I think Schroeder smart picked it off and they run off on the fast break and they dish it off to Tatum on the right side and it's Tatum going one on one against I think it was a guard, I forget who though. It might have actually been Garland. I think it was Garland. And there's no one under the hoop. It's a fast break. And Tatum elects to slow down, move to the right. Everyone's just expecting him to take it to the hole. He slows down, backs off to the right, does like 10 crossovers, does the through the legs, through the legs, through the legs, through the legs bullshit that he does, and then just chucks up a fadeaway three-pointer like on the break. It's like, what are we doing right now, dude? Like, I know you're only shooting 75% from the free throw line, so you probably don't even want to go there. Or you're just, you don't have the physical ability to take the contact that is necessary this year because they changed the rules, but you got to go to the hoop and get some buckets at the hoop. We can't just keep doing the cross fade away Kobe Bryant bullshit forever. It's just infuriating. And the fact that he only averages 23 with the amount of usage he gets, he plays 37 minutes a game and his usage is out the roof and he only scores 23 points a game. I, uh, I looked up the, um, the points per game leaders and I think only four out of the top 50 players have a field goal percentage less than 40% and Tatum's right up there yeah it's awful 38% from uh, the field and then 31% from three and the three that should be worse like and then he's he's also shooting 76% from the free throw line Oh, easily. Yeah, and for his for his usage, it's just unacceptable. And it, it, hopefully it's just a slump that he'll get out of, but that argument still stands. Like, I hate... It's just such a radio conversation around here. I know you don't listen to the Boston radio, probably, Felder anymore. Yeah, do you ever listen to the, all the Sports Hub shows? Uh, I used to, back in the day. They used to always clown on Tommy, uh, Tommy Heinsohn. <laughs> yeah. They used to play like audio clips from the game of Tommy, like saying crazy stuff. Uh, R.I.P. I miss Tommy. Yeah. But, I uh, too. What was his name? Greg Stiesma was uh, reminding him of Bill Russell. <laughs> yeah. The Steema. <laughs> the Greg uh, Cleveland Steamer Steamsma. Yeah. yeah, but uh, they the the constant debate is just like, oh, it's. It should be Tatum's team or it should be Brown's team or it's like Tatum thinks it's his team or Smart thinks it's his team. It's like always like the whose team is it bullshit and that doesn't hold any weight for me. But just like looking at it, Brown and Tatum, it just doesn't make a ton of sense together for me at this point. It did when they were younger when they weren't who they are now, but now they're they've evolved into different players and I don't think it makes sense anymore. Yeah. Um like I said, if it if it's another first round exit, I think you really gotta look to move them. If they can somehow make the conference finals, maybe. yeah, then I'd be okay with the conference finals. Is my if if they lose in like game six or seven in the um, second round, or if they make the conference finals, then I would say okay, like there's something there, you know. Just gotta load up. Just gotta do the nets and. Um, whoever else Lakers thing where you just kind of stack the roster with like good mid twenties guys, you know, who are just looking to play with good players and win games. Like there's a lot of guys around the league that you can poach who'd probably be into that kind of thing, but that's the only situation I think that would work. I gotta say the things seem pretty wide open in the league right now. The, Oh, definitely. The teams we were expecting to be at the top aren't exactly there um i mean you think the nets they're third in the east and then thought the lakers as well well they're seventh right now i know it's a question i want to get you on the spot who do you think leads the celtics in blocks per game is it horford yeah yeah we got that it would just i would just assume it was williams like i went and highlighted the stats like they leaders stats and i just immediately went to rob's name and just highlighted the blocks i was like wait a second yeah. al averages 0.5 more blocks a game than rob 
Yeah, you would think it's Rob too. I have both of them on different fantasy teams, and I I've noticed that Horford's been getting a ton of blocks. I actually I get notifications on my phone that oh Al Horford got six blocks today. He gets a ton of blocks. Yeah, he started. He had like uh, five in the first quarter of a game a few weeks ago. It's like what is what is happening? Yeah, he made Mobley look foolish last game. It's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, he's he's been like he's second in the league in blocks per game. Second. Is he really? Yeah. Miles Turner averages three point three, and then Al is second with two point three, which is crazy. That it's that big of a gap. Like he averages more blocks than Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's insane. I hope we can keep him around for a little while. Yeah, well, I think we have him on contract, right? Like, he's locked up. I think he's locked up this year and next year. Yeah, I think everyone assumed, because I think um, next year's contract's worth $14 million out of the $27 million, that everyone just assumed, oh, either we'll, you know, waive him and eat that money or um trade him but now it's, it seems like we should just keep him next year. yeah just keep him give him some money give him just be like hey you want to play for you know want to finish your career four years 60 million like come on how does that sound yeah yeah definitely but how, how funny how funny would it, it would be so perfect to like cap off this like five-year celtic run if we get to the free agency and he has a player option and he just waves the player option and goes and gets a huge deal somewhere else again, and we just lose him again. Uh, deja vu. So, movie of the week. Switching gears. Now... I mean, I didn't expect to find this kind of movie in my creature feature book, but you know, going through each page, what I'm doing, I'm in the bees right now, and this I came across this movie, and I was like, yeah, I've I've never seen this. I, I probably should have seen this before, but I haven't. I I I didn't know what this movie was about. At all, I all I could picture was the poster that has John Turturro on it. The yeah, movie, with the mosquito on his face. Yep, the movie is Barton Fink, and I I'm really shocked that I haven't seen this before because it has psychological thriller elements. Yep, and it's that's basically what it is. Yeah, and it's about Hollywood. Like yeah, like old Hollywood. That that should be like one of my favorite movies is The Player. And that that has both of those elements, and I I didn't realize what the plot was. That's probably why I didn't check it out at all. Um, I still don't totally know what the plot is. Yeah. So I I mean like an hour into the movie, I'm I'm still wondering like why is this in a creature feature like sci-fi book? Like this is this seems to be just a standard picture for the most part i mean there's some strange stuff going on but you know nothing supernatural or anything like that but uh i mean by the end you definitely realize what's going on but uh the the two big things that stood out for me was the uh the camera work which was done by roger deakins real really yep, one of the goats yeah I I I didn't realize all the movies he did. Like I he's worked with the Coens a lot. He's done. I think he's done like most of their like seventy five percent of their movies. Yeah, I think he did Fargo. Yeah, Fargo, No Country. Um, he did Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Probably, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's done a good amount of them, but I can't list them off the top of my head to be honest. But I just know they have a partnership. Yeah, and now it seems like Deacons is working with Sam Mendes a lot. He did 1917, and then the next movie he's doing is also a Sam Mendes film. So Mendes is trying to snatch him from the Coen brothers. 
Yeah, I forget the name of their first cinematographer. They used the same guy for their first like couple movies, but I can't think of his name. He became a director. Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh yeah. And then yeah, and then they moved on. He moved on to be a director, and they moved on to Deacons, I think, for Miller's Crossing, and then for this. But yeah, they're a perfect combination. the The movie is shot so perfectly. It's like because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I do see it a lot. Like the player, I also see it a lot. Like they they. I guess they had a lot of inspiration from the Tenet. The, have you seen that movie, the Roman Polanski oh, movie yeah, from the seventies? I really like that movie a lot. I have. Yeah, that's DVD. that's a great, great, great underrated movie. One of my favorites. But it's also a psychological thriller like this. More of a psychological horror. This is more of a psychological thriller. You know, black comedy. That one is definitely have more has more horror elements, but it's very similar. And you could tell they kind of took a lot from that, but like they share the thing that they don't make a lot of sense. Like I've seen this movie three times and the first time I think I fell asleep for like the bulk of the middle. I had no idea what was going on at the end. I was like, that thing sucked because I had no idea what was happening. And then the second time I watched it a couple of years ago, um, I really liked it. And if you, you know, pay attention the whole time and you're intent on it and you, you know, just enjoy it for what it is. It's a really cool movie. And when I watched it again last night, when um prepping for this, I've, kind of forgot how great it was and it's kind of slept on as being like one of their best movies like it doesn't seem like it should be good because like it's not really about much like what do you think that barton is just in hell like that's basically like the the crux of their point yeah so i mean i had no idea what was going on when it ended i was just like what i I, but i knew it's the coen brothers there's there's much more deeper things that I'm, I'm not picking up on. So I, d- I did my research. And, yeah, I did see that theory that, um, yeah, uh, Barton is really just descending into Hollywood hell, I guess. And, you know, that that could be it. Um, there's some, some Dante's Inferno references. I mean, we got the Bible in multiple shots as well but there seems to be you know other things going on um a lot of different ways you can interpret it i i one thing i i picked up on i didn't look this up but i i kind of put this together i figured hollywood is you know there's a lot of like blood suckers out there and maybe that's why he kept getting bit by a mosquito because I remember uh, Barton telling, I think it was uh, the, the John Polito's character about like, or no, it might have been um, might have been the agent Michael Lerner's character about uh, the mosquito that's in his room, and then he says, this, "We're in Hollywood. There's no mosquitoes here, or whatever." So that was interesting um yeah everything with michael lerner was great yeah. i think he was nominated for an academy award for this one right he was yes and yeah that was that was my second thing that i was gonna say that stood out the acting is so good it's incredible they just get the best guy they they get the top tier actors every time i know it's lights out in every movie they do for sure yeah and, and i want to say john um uh i was gonna say Mulaney. <laughs> John Mulaney. <laughs> no. John Mulaney was like five in this movie, my brother. Um, the the guy who played Frazier's dad. What was his freaking name? Oh. So he played like kind of a, a William Faulkner type character. Yeah, the w, W.P. Mayhew. Yeah. yeah, it was based on William Faulkner. It's uh, John Mahoney. John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job as, uh, you know, the drunk writer out there who, uh, you know, turns out. As a ghostwriter. Yep, as a ghostwriter. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. To, I think that, that, like, leads to my point. My favorite part of this movie is that it's such a writer's movie because they're, they're such prolific writers, and they actually wrote it when they had writer's block for when they were making Miller's Crossing. Mm-hmm. And it's so perfect for that because it really, like, touches on the tortured life of you know one of these like wannabe auteur writers 
and um, all just they just nail the story. They nail the dialogue. The dialogue is perfect. The dialogue between the the detectives and Barton is so great, so sharp. Everything with John Goodman is excellent. There's so many cool like, you know, there's like just little hidden things like they named John Goodman's serial killer alias after the head of the HUAC, which was during the Red Scare, the guy that was, you know, tracking down all the writers for being communists. And there's just so many little like writer details like that that are so cool. And um, just the like the whole John Turturro, Bar- Barton Fink, you could tell he's a communist, you know, like the just how he's so pro people and like just everything about him like he just like the classist type like he he is like a highbrow writer but he kind of snuffs his nose at that and wants to be like a writer for the people but he clearly doesn't connect with people at all and yeah he doesn't the, listen he yeah he doesn't listen the end is so funny with the soldiers he just has no like social awareness he thinks that everyone should like bow down to him because he's like trying to be a writer for the people it's it just it nails everything about that type of person it i'd love the cohen so much i i think the thing they get slept on the most for is like their movies are so visually great because they work with deacons they work with you know sonnenfeld they work with all these great guys they're just very creative they worked with sam raimi for the evil dead movies they're really good friends with him they're great they edit their own movies under an alias but they're great writers like they're they're just the absolute best writers they everything you see on screen with them is they wrote down on the page they don't they don't totally allow improvising which would probably drive a lot of actors insane. But when you get good actors and you have prolific writers like those two, it's always just going to, it just sounds so good. Like the movie is so smooth, you know, the, the music is so smooth. It's just, it's just so great. I know I'm sounding like Chris Farley in that SNL sketch right now, just talking about how great everything is, but it really is like, if like on first watch, you're like, like I'm, you're going to have to go back and watch it, Sam. Like definitely. Like it's one of those movies where you have to go back and like notice everything that like you didn't appreciate the first time. Cause it, it was a snooze fest when I first watched it, you know, I didn't totally, cause you're used to the cones. You're used to, you know, like it's witty, like it's still witty, but like, you're just used to something you could follow along with and like understand right away. And it's like a fun time, you know, like it's very, like everything they do is very comic, but this one was a lot more subdued and a lot more like under, under the radar stuff that you wouldn't totally pick up on on first watch, which is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, researched, like, interpretations for this, and there were some people online that were saying, like, oh, this is one movie that, you know, I wouldn't want to watch again. It's one of those, oh, you see it once, and that's kind of it. But I, I definitely feel like i need to watch this movie. yeah the end hits a lot harder when you watch it again because like during the movie you start like uh, i know that we're really spoiling it here and i'm guessing it's not i think very well seen movie like i don't think a lot of people have seen it not a lot of people care about it to be honest but like you start to notice on second watch and third watch like you just look at that picture and it's like so cool to think of the ending and how that ends up being like was that like real you know like what is this room like you don't told like those it's just the little things like that that you just don't totally pick up on and first watch that really makes it a cool movie which is why i go i love going back and i'm gonna definitely enjoy it more often now i'm definitely gonna go back and watch it more often yeah it's i'm kind of wondering like as as barton just completely descended into mag uh madness where he thinks he's now in this painting that's yeah uh, that's that's a major spoiler as well we're just spoiling this I mean, yeah it's spoiler like old. it's yeah i it's not shame on you because it's not like a very well-known movie but like just you go watch it before you listen to these things for god's sakes yeah but um yeah i i loved that uh i loved that ending where it's like it really did feel like in my my interpretation of it was that it's like a hollywood hell like mm-hmm. he's kind of he's now on like the he's now on the merry-go-round or like the um the whatever the fuck why can't i think of the goddamn the ferris wheel mm-hmm. where it's just like he's just kind of in perpetuity just doing this it's going to be the same thing over and over again rinse repeat write the script get shit on by the agent studio it's going to be like garbage they'll probably change it up make a movie out of it and then it's just go back to the 
the writer's room in the hell, you know, the hell hole of that hotel. And you have to do it all over again for really no, like he thinks he's writing for the people, but he's just writing a stupid wrestling movie that gets the guys like, I don't want any of this, like in the mind stuff. I want just wrestling, you know, I want dumb, stupid stuff that people just want to go watch. And I think that was a pretty cool, you know, that actually that, that interpretation makes the most sense for me. The, now that you put it like that, because I watched some things online, and and no one really. I mean, I I heard the Hollywood hell thing, but I I like I liked how you put it about yeah, you're you're on like a Ferris wheel. Like once you you get into the system, and you know you're making money doing these movies you don't want to make, but you're you're just doing them because that's where. That's where the money is, and yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, and it's it's like he he's delusioned by thinking he's doing something else, you know, like he thinks he's doing this great work for the people. He's like this very important guy. Yeah, he's up his but own like, ass. Yeah. yeah, but it was it was such a perfect ending because that it's like that dancing scene with the soldiers was so it seemed so out of place. But when you think about it like that, where it's like he's celebrating, like finishing this work and he thinks it's like the most important thing ever. But in like the scheme of things, like it doesn't even fucking matter. And he's there yelling at everyone like, I'm like this important writer. Like I I work with my brain, like, you know, all that stuff, just grandstanding about how great he is or whatever. And he just gets literally shoved to the ground. And it's like and then he just goes into the office the next day with the script and the guy calls it a piece of shit and says, you're going to stay on contract forever, basically until like you write something that's usable. So that's, that's kind of how I interpreted it where it's like, he thinks he's doing great, but it's really just like, you know, grunt work. And he's like, just a worthless man. Oh man. No, that really makes a lot of sense that I, I didn't quite pick up that interpretation. I'm glad you like that interpretation because I didn't know if I was going to be talking out of my ass there. That's it. I think that's it because some of the ones I watched, people were saying like, "Oh, it's just him descending into madness," but now it's like, well, I think this is the Coen Brothers really giving the middle finger to Hollywood. Like, yeah, it's the middle finger to Hollywood. It's a middle finger to other writers too. Yeah, it's starting to all piece together now. So yeah, this is definitely another uh, movie I need to watch. Yeah, you'll you'll like it a lot more again, for sure. Like that's it's definitely one of those and like you appreciate you appreciate everything about it much more and like the the scene with John Goodman in the burning hotel like it's so weird for a watch where you're just you're just like kind of disoriented cuz the stuff with the detectives feels so real. Mm-hmm. And like but and then like you kind of forget about the dead the dead girl in his bed and like I've read I've read like some things about it. I don't I don't totally like reading and watching like the what did this movie mean thing like I'm a I'm a I like I should say better like I'm addicted to that sort of thing but I hate just like looking at watching those and then like having that be my interpretation but like I thought it was like the one thing I saw that was pretty cool was that like sleeping with the girl and killing her like kind of relieved his writer's block you know and like because after she woke up dead like that next morning like he types out the entire thing in one sitting and like you're kind of disoriented from that point on because then it seems like a dream and then when the detectives come and uh john goodman shows up and shoots them and the hotel is burning down and gives them the box it's just like what the hell is going on it's like on second watch you're like oh yeah like this isn't real like this this makes so much more sense it's just like this guy is crazy mm. yeah I, I was so thrown off by the burning hotel <laughs> It was so weird, and like the shoes outside the door yeah. every night, like mm-hmm. all all that stuff was so strange. But there's there's so that's what makes it such a great writer's movie. Is everything's there for a reason. Like there's there's so many hidden meanings behind all, even as like minuscule as the shoes outside the door. Like I'm I haven't looked up anything about that, so I don't know if that's like a thing that's been theorized. But that's got to like be something, you know. That there has to be some kind of explanation for that. I don't know what totally it is, but. I like every time I see that now I'm like oh it's like kind of cool you know like it's just these little like these little quirks that make it such a cool movie it's not just like everything matters in it almost yeah 
maybe these Hollywood writers lost their footing on reality. I don't know. <laughs> like you actually like that, even though it's not that obviously, but mm-hmm. like it, it's some, it, it's gotta be something like that. You know, it's definitely, there's definitely something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I really enjoyed this. I'm giving it, I'm giving it four stars. The, yeah, it's the, a shame that it bombed, you know? Like, what the hell? This, Come on, this, America. This is the Barton rating. The Barton rating. How about that? Four stars. I like so, that. Yep, so now we have a name for every... Yeah, every every rating. We got Alice, Abby. I actually can't even remember what I named the one star. Thing. I blocked that movie out of my head, whatever it was. I have to go back and look. We didn't even mention Steve Buscemi, by the way. Yeah, I know. Chet. The goat. Yeah. Yeah. And um, another reason why I'm surprised I never watched this is because I tried to watch like every movie Steve Buscemi's been in. I clearly did a really bad job. Yeah. Another longtime Cohen collaborator. Yeah, he's in Miller's Crossing, obviously. Fargo, Fargo. yeah. Uh, Big Lebowski, yeah. A lot of people come back from for the Big yeah, Lebowski. Yeah, they use they use a lot of the same people over and over again, which is such a cool thing about them because like it doesn't, it's not like corny, you know. It's not like oh, you're just like putting your friends and everything like, and you can't see those characters anymore. Like you, they still like play great characters. It's not like like they actually are right for the roles. That's what makes them really talented. Oh, it's the Kandra rating. That's what I called it. Named after the awakening of Kandra from 1983. Really boring TV movie. There's actually <laughs> interesting story, but they terrible execution. <laughs> so, all right. So we got... Yeah, some of the movies you've been watching on this are so funny. Dude, I, I'm surprised I'm even finding them. Like... Yeah, like this is this must have been a sigh of relief almost, you know? It's like halfway through you're probably like, Oh wow, like this is great. This isn't just like you know, this bad is, taste where people are throwing like up and podcast. eating it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like the top two fifty podcast. This I know the, the, the podcasts are so polar opposite and like but I'm I'm the same. I'm like very much so into the other stuff from this podcast, more so than like singing in the rain or like prestige movies that are like considered the best movies ever you know yeah well you gotta mix it up Um, unfortunately i go on either the really bad or the really good i don't (laughs) see enough of the middle ones i guess well i guess that leaves us room to do a middle middle of the road one with all like the mediocre movies like uh like our favorite river's edge gotta get river's edge in yeah gotta get trees lounge Got to do all those late 90s, mid 2000s, early mid 2000s, just like 20 to 40 million dollar like random movies that it's like, how did this get made? Yeah, there's, there's so many gems. That's why it's why you watch these sometimes, you know, you got to watch like 20 movies, but just finding that one gem is worth yeah, it. Yeah, it's so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. All right. Well four stars uh the the barton rating four star rating love it oodles and oodles of o's you know you get them from my sister you get them from my bro all i is is man and once an embryo am i solid gold i don't cast the glow yes i guess it's reflex some have no control i'd rather let her laugh No, we're not, so not play the role. Some in lovey-dovey, I hear crazy throw. Some shake your hand, but this is called the show. I was John Doe, now I'm Mr. Jolico. Pissed with the witness, and now I know. O's got the world, cause O's was on tour. Girls gave the O's, and guys O's for sure. Where they arose, well, nobody knows. What do they mean? Well, here's how it goes. Oh, shoots got the O's when you hold a dough. You know who you are, but they didn't know. And now with respect, they flex like a pro. You're first another nigga, but now an afro. Oodles and oodles and O's and oodles and oodles and oodles of O's. You know they're giving oodles and O's and O's and oodles and oodles and oodles of O's. You know they're giving oodles and O's and O's and oodles and oodles and oodles of 
Last of the fast plug pipers of the soul. In your eye, turning like rubbing alcohol. Native is the tongue that speaks the guacamole. Kinfolk with platers in stereo. Chant has played a part of a herd at a show. Pops prints the piece on his jeans of the bowls. But let the herd know if beef they want to throw. Lunches of punches is what I bestow. Oodles of O's and has my hoes in my checks. O's take the shape of medallions and specks. Don't forget the O's that let the air in my nose. Breathe in the fresh as the stale hit the road. Girls ask for flicks and I'll block the poles. Eat the owl greens, won't sniff the curse blows. Mace got something to say and it goes. Macy always rocking on the radio. Now I think we're talking about the oodles of O's, you know. I think we're talking about the oodles of O's, yeah. We're talking about the oodles of O's, you know. I think we're talking about the oodles of O's. I think we're talking about the oodles of O's, you know. I think we're talking about the oodles of O's, yeah. We're talking about the oodles of O's, you know. I think we're talking about the hoods like to play my show, you know. Guns going bow, people hit the flow. Don't have a piece but an arrow and bow. Targeted firm, cause I'm here command show. Charging barricades like a raging rhino. The donuts come big and some and jump over. The landlord is finished, but before I go, I give a shout out to Quest and my fellow jungle bro. Not by the dock of the bay, by the show. Swimming in the rhythm of the hottie, hottie ho. Punk Pinocchio's gotta go, gotta go. What's the reason? To be cheerful. Season is grease, time to pimp promo. Nuts can no flow if the shade is in the go. On with me hat, Dreadlock is heading out the door, y'all. We're selling O's, y'all. We're selling O's and O's. We're selling O's at the corner store, y'all. We're selling O's, y'all. We're selling noodles and noodles and noodles and noodles of O's, y'all. We're selling O's, y'all. At the corner store, we're selling O's at the corner store, y'all. We're selling O's, y'all. At the corner store, we're selling O's and O's and O's, y'all. We're selling noodles and noodles of O's, y'all. We're selling noodles and noodles of O's, y'all. When I was walking and talking, doing what I gotta do, doing what we wanna do. Off into my walkathon missions. Why? Cause the brothers that I knew with the rides drove by. On the nights and the days, looking down the road, seeing beautiful girls with the car loads. Yeah, 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 they are screaming, wish I had a little ride of my own. But since I don't, that is my sob story. My missions will continue as I keep on stalking. The stamina was died from the constant walking. Right before the moment, I began to call to my man Brittle, who had a sunroof and all. I thought he would have noticed my dying When I yelled his name, he yelled beep and kept driving Now in my heart, it grew a big hole Cause my little, little, little toe started rubbing on my insole It was a fidgety burn and then I said, wait, I got pride It's time to get my own ride I came up with the scheme and got paid I had no other choice but going out of the train When I got my chance, though, I got kinda stingy up Cause I got my cherry past fighter Now I'm feeling good cause I'm off my feet Many little squalid dogs running up on the street And I'm saying, my name is Sharina My name is Buster My name is Tonya My name is Buster My name is Diana My name is Buster And what do you take me for? The little local pushover No shame in my game cause that's how I got this. And when I return the favor, everybody gets pissed And now I am the man feeling all the glory And when your eyes down and gone Just remember that I know you My bunions are crying, beefing, flicking, please, please Get into the vehicle, I stopped the Davis Ave Figured I'll see a cool brother to give me a ride Sorry, Charlie, was a common reply I didn't forget about the girl in the sidekick The rubber gun system and the spoiler kit She drive by with the posse, ooh-ah, ooh-ah, ooh-ah Hey, Charlie Brown, where's your car? Well, I haven't purchased it yet the smoke from the rubber burned up to my neck Girls with Gucci and the friends with Fendi Won't allow a walker to get friendly
jacking when his car went flat. They wouldn't jacking when his car was in the shop. They wouldn't stop by to even say hi on the reply. But back came Bob to the same old gang. Hey, yo, what's up? Do y'all want to hang? Yeah, sure, they say on the quick fast. By the way, anybody got money for gas? Nah, not me. I don't. Don't ask. I got it. Come on. Watch out. We're going to crash. Oh, wait. Now Rob just walking like me. The D to the O in the middle. I and C. Some say envy. I say on empty. And now he's just walking my sob story. Honey, 
you see, I can't see in the dark. And anyway, I believe I'm double parked. Anyway, I'm out, yo, out. I gotta be, I gotta step very quickly. When you see a dip by the strobe light, you're black, I hope you got good sight. Pull up the dip that you see, maybe. Not cracked up to be what she appears to be. None of that, in fact, quite whack with the thrill that makes you stop the crack. A matter of fact, yo, a few, you're breaking, mom dudes back too. Listen, baby girl, let me say you're real slow. Gotta go, not to this, but let's disperse. I see you later, unless I see you first. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. I gotta go, I gotta